0: Another episode of the Tony G Show coming your way here on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, big episode today. we got a big sports weekend coming up, Will. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Um, are you think we're going to get to any of it or no?
1: I don't know. We'll no. see. Okay. I need to leave, actually.
0: The CMA awards were last night, so we'll talk that instead of sports. Yeah, we're, we're a music show now. Yeah. We're yep. switching over. I just made that call here live on the Tony G Show. No big sports weekend coming up. In this episode, we're going to be talking about you know we've been talking about a lot of NFL recently. We have we've been we've been
1: pretty much strictly NFL for a couple of shows I think. Yes,
0: and and there's more NFL talk today. I mean, we always have the Tony G picks of the week that we talk at least once an episode in the fall. And uh, this episode's being recorded in the middle of November, so on a beautiful day, by the way, beautiful day. Yeah, we should almost do this outside with our mittens. And, we're going to do that sometime. We're going
1: to do an outside. I mean, show. we've been talking
0: about that for years. We could
1: definitely do that. I mean, we're mobile right now. I could unplug this and walk out the door with my microphone. I,
0: you know what? We're gonna do it. Yeah, we're gonna We're gonna.
1: We're gonna we're gonna go out in that big lawn right there.
0: Yep. we're gonna
1: set up a card table and we'll just have a we'll have a show.
0: Well you know they do it by uh
1: Or maybe we'll do uh, it in front of a main Market
0: hall Pl- the calf. You know how they have that little circle? Oh yeah. And they have usually stuff there? Rent a table and put up a couple microphones, record a Tony G show.
1: We could do it in front of Main Hall too, and then we could record it.
0: Yep. We'll figure that out. That's for the future here, but this this current episode, <laughs> I mean, we got a big episode coming. What are coming. we doing? I said we're t- we usually talk about the NFL, and we will today 20 G picks of the week new batch coming up. But we have the Masters starting today. This is a Thursday. Masters are starting here in November, pushed back from April to November due to the coronavirus, of course. So we're going to have our golf expert Jared Reinhardt on at around the halfway point. And listen, we, this has been the third straight episode that we're going to have an expert call in. But it's something, you know, we, we won't do it every episode. It's just a nice change of yeah. pace to have a different insight, a different perspective. We, and especially with someone who specializes on this one sport. So yeah. with this one, with golf, you know, we had NBA expert Jamile Brantley on a week ago. Then we had college football slash NFL draft expert Matthew Swanson on Tuesday and now today we have golf expert Jared Reinhart to talk to the Masters. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a cool segment to have an expert call in.
1: Yeah, it's always fun to hear their different perspectives on it because Tony and I, you know, we talk about X, Y, and Z, and you hear us all the time. So it's kind of fun to have, right. even for us, to have somebody else bring in different opinions and we can analyze those. Give us a different point of view, too, that we've exactly.
0: had beforehand. Yeah, that'll be at the halfway point of today's Tony G Show. And then as well, we will discuss... NBA basketball in the first segment here, because interesting, I'm going to break down a timeline of a certain situation in the NBA that I think needs to be discussed on a broad spectrum. So we'll get there in the first segment. Stick around for that. Uh, As always, before we get into it, Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays on Apple Google Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, at Tony G for Days is my Twitter, Willis, 5312 for Will McCormick. Uh, Get at us with your opinions, what you think of the show what you want us to talk about, what you think of uh, topics that we have discussed. So, as always, on Twitter there. And uh, SNC Radio, we're affiliated with SNC Radio. You can listen to SNC Radio on sncradio.com. Search up in favorite SNC Radio on the Radio FX app to listen live all throughout the day. I mean, big episode coming your way. We might as well get into it now, huh, Will? Yeah, I think so. Tony G Show, big episode, Masters Talk, golf expert Jared Reinhardt at the halfway point. Okay, so you heard me in the open mention this situation developing around the NBA. And I'm going to break down the timeline of this particular situation because I I find it very interesting. Everyone knows that uh, these two particular players can create their fair share of drama throughout the NBA. And they are both one, Russell Westbrook, and one, James Harden. And both of them are outspoken. Both of them are a little loud in what they do. Both of them are very good basketball players. And here's the thing. They were both in Houston last season. Okay. And we're going to break down the Rockets' season coming up here in a couple minutes. But the reason that I'm talking about this now is because it came out yesterday. We're going to do a timeline of November 11th, 2020. Today is November 12th, 2020. Wednesday, November 11th, we're going to break down a little timeline. Okay, you ready? Because Russell Westbrook is creating more news out of Houston for the Rockets and him and James Harden. So timeline. Around 8 a.m. Central Time yesterday, reports from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski say that James Harden and Russell Westbrook are both concerned about the direction of the franchise after a disappointing end of the season. That disappointing end of the season, if you remember, they lost 4-1 in a series to the Lakers, in round two, that would have advanced the winner would have advanced to the Western Conference Finals. Again, it was the Lakers. In five games, they won it four one. Rockets were a little disappointed with how that season ended. And remember, Mike D'Antoni was fired and replaced by Steven Silas, and GM Daryl Morey also split out of Houston. So there's a lot of front office changes, a lot of changes to the coaching staff as well in Houston. And it came out again yesterday, eight o'clock central time. That Russell Westbrook and James Harden were both concerned with the direction of the franchise. Okay, around six o'clock p.m. Central Time, via Shams Charania of the Athletic, Russell Westbrook officially requested a trade out of Houston after just one season.
1: Wow, That's after just crazy. one
0: season. So think about that. At some point, at 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 this in this timeline between eight o'clock a.m. Central Time and six o'clock p.m. Central Time. Russell Westbrook was a Houston Rocket, concerned about the future, and then at some point, the tables flipped and he wanted out. Was it a discussion he had with James Harden? There hasn't been much on James Harden's side of this. Mm -mm. Publicly, he hasn't come out and said much, but Russell Westbrook at some point said, I want out of Houston. After just one season. And then to finish wrapping up this timeline, today, Russell Westbrook turns 32. Hmm. So interesting, I, interesting situation in Houston.
1: Yeah, that's, it's going to be really fun to watch on how that unfolds. But I wanted to ask you, does this surprise you seeing this happen with the Rockets? To me personally, no, because like I felt like at first I was like, wow, Westbrook and Harden together seems like a weird combination. I was excited to see it for this season, but at the same time, I was kind of skeptical, I guess. So what's your thoughts on it?
0: You know, it would surprise me if it was a soft-spoken, talented player like a D'Angelo Russell or a Buddy Heald or someone like that. And granted, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are two A-grade players, better than D'Angelo Russell or Buddy Heald. But I'm just mm-hmm. saying, in terms of talented players around the NBA, I would be surprised if they came out and did something publicly like this. But the fact that it's Russell Westbrook and right. James Harden, no. I'm not surprised in the least. They definitely talk. They're, they're mouthy. They're... Divas.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Kind of diva-ish. They're just... Right. They're like... The team, whatever team they're on is kind of like, it's not centered around them, but it's like they're, they play a big role Mm -hmm. and they, to me, they kind of play, I know they're not the same player, not even remotely, but they kind of play a similar role, like almost too similar. I would agree. If that makes sense. I know they're not like the same, exactly the same player. They they both have different play styles, but it just didn't seem like a good combination.
0: Well, here's the thing. They're both A grade players. They're both franchise type players, Mm -hmm. both very talented, all-star, all NBA type players. Both of them have MVPs, both of them have All Star games, and both of them are chasing rings. So, when you put both of them on the same team, you think it make you think it would mesh together to make some type of right uh, super team. You think it'd be like beautiful music. Yeah, you would think, but they're both pass me the ball type guys. We all know Russell Westbrook as the guy, the triple double type guy that. I mean, was known for getting the most triple-doubles in a season, was known for always getting his amount of points, his amount of touches, and passing the ball, rebounds. He always gets his touches of the basketball in a game. And we kind of know James Harden for that as well. He's the guy Mm -hmm. that drops 50 a game. He's the guy that goes to the free-throw line more than any other player in any game. I mean, it is unbelievable how many times he is at the free-throw line. So, what does that show me? They're both guys that want the ball in their hands. Okay, and it works out if you're the Los Angeles Lakers and you have LeBron James and you have an Anthony Davis. Okay, we'll just use those two as an example here because they're both A grade players, they're both all stars, they're both caliber of winning an MVP. Again, LeBron has done it multiple times. But when you look at their style of play, Anthony Davis is a big man, LeBron James is the front runner. When you look at Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they're both the front runner. So. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a of a mismatch. There's, it's not going to be the most chemistry in the world right away. You'd like to think that it would be, but it won't. Just logically speaking, it will not. Okay, so where do we go from here, Russell Westbrook after one season? And by the way, before we continue, let me say this: It's I'm not saying that this is a James Harden Russell Westbrook not getting a long problem that Russell Westbrook wants out. I think it's that Russell Westbrook sees that this Houston Rockets organization that was once promising and and once had the potential of winning an NBA Finals Championship, now is in a little bit of a dysfunctional state. Mm -hmm. And Russell Westbrook has kind of dealt with that same type of organization his entire career. Not to this extent, but he's always kind of been around an organization that hasn't been straight up clean, one of the best teams in the NBA, and, and a front runner to be a Favorite in the NBA Finals. He's never been around that. And so he's really trying to chase that again as he turns 32 today.
1: And I'd agree with you. I think, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that maybe him and Harden have some sort of, you know, disagreements on certain topics. But okay. I feel like that would be something that they would overlook in the chance at winning. Our personal opinions, I would agree that I think it's more of an organizational fit problem or he sees
0: some sort of major issue down the line that he's like, I need out of here now. Right. And that's what I'm saying is that he's kind of always been around that and he's tired of dealing around that. He wants to do the Kevin Durant and this isn't a, a, you know, throwing salt in the direction of Kevin Durant because I don't disrespect him for what he did leaving OKC to go to.
1: But he lost respect.
0: (laughs) I mean, see, like, in my opinion, like, that's the thing. you want to go somewhere to win a championship, and he did. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's what Russell Westbrook is trying to do. hmm Okay. I think he's trying to mimic that same sort of outcome. He wants to go somewhere that's in good standing right now in the NBA that has high potential of winning a championship pretty soon because he's 32. He's not going to be around forever. Right. And continuing to look into the future, he wants a trade, but he is also owed $131 million over the next three seasons. Is he worth that? Okay. I mean, he was worth that a couple years ago when he Mm -hmm. was MVP, but right now, 32 years old, that's a hard sell to try and get a team to pick up that amount of money over three seasons when you're 32 years old.
1: I think I have an argument for where it might work out, but we'll get there. Okay. This is in the the docket, but I have an argument. I don't want to bring it up now because I don't want to mess up this discussion, but I have an argument that I think that he might be worth it. Okay. Um but that is a lot of money. That right. is a lot of money. Is there, is the, I don't, and you might not know the answer to this, to this either, but is there a possibility of restructure of contract? I don't know how that works in the NBA. I mean,
0: the guaranteed money in the NBA, I'm not as keen knowledge of in mm-hmm. terms of baseball or an NFL. Yeah. I don't know. This is just a straight figure that I have put out here on the Tony G Show. I don't know the exact amount of guaranteed money he's owed. But if I'm Russell Westbrook, it okay, just look at who Russell Westbrook is, and this isn't a knock on Russell Westbrook and his personality, but you really think Russell Westbrook's going to go, okay, yeah, I'll take less money right, No, I don't think so. I think this is his contract for the next three years, and the team that's going to get him better pay up
1: well, I was just I guess I was wondering in the, in the respect that he's like, I'll go to a smaller market team <laughs> my uh my message to you um, <laughs> a smaller market team for less money.
0: For a chance to win a ring. Right, right. and Okay, so, Will, you're trying to show me, you're trying to get through to me that the Milwaukee Bucks could be in play here.
1: Basically, yeah. Okay. I. And What's I, your I, thinking behind this? Right. Westbrook's play style fits with Giannis-esque players, people who are rebound chasers. Yeah. Um, You look at when he was with Steven Adams and Kevin Durant in uh, OKC, they were both chase boards. I mean, they're just right. tall guys. They can pick, you know, they go after boards. Um, Steven Adams is an absolute beast, um, and he was he obviously played really well with Westbrook. I have a feeling that out of, you know, some teams that he could land on, realistically, I mean, the Bucks are. it's going to be a tough contract for them to, to pick up, and that's why I asked, like, you know, if, if restructuring is something that can be done in the NBA because I personally don't know that. But if that's something the Bucks could make w- happen, I could see Giannis and... Uh, Westbrook being a very very good duo
0: but if, if he's gonna do that then remember what we said about him he's a guy that wants the ball I mean he
1: right that's but that's a thing then he's so, gonna
0: go somewhere that he can probably be the front runner or he has to accept the fact that he's 32 now and he might not be the front runner and he has to sacrifice what he has to sacrifice in order to be on a championship caliber team. Right. Giannis and, is the front runner here. In oh yeah. Milwaukee. That's that's Chris Middleton is a backup too. So mm-hmm. where would Russell Westbrook play in that offense? I don't he'd know. be Bledsoe. They'd have to I think yeah, they'd, have okay. to, they'd have to trade Bledsoe. You would, could sell me on that because I think Eric Bledsoe's look facing towards the door. I mm-hmm. don't think he's moving towards it in Milwaukee just yet, but he is facing towards the door now.
1: Right. That's in and, and that's you know if they ended up going towards Westbrook, I think they'd almost have to dump
0: Bledsoe. Correct. In terms he, of money it would be a straight swap. I mean, and if it was going to be a trade, Eric Bledsoe, I think, would probably play a part in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I don't know what the asking price is because that's right. a big contract. He's an exceeded age. Right. You're not going to get for him what you would when he won the MVP a few years back. No.
1: Yeah, and he might not even be the best guy for the job for the Bucks, too. I exactly. mean, exactly. So it's it's very it's gonna. I would like to see it just because I think Westbrook, when he was with Stephen Adams, was like. It wasn't like the most flashy duo. Sure. But it worked. Yeah. It worked pretty well. Yeah. Um that being said, when Durant left, that also played a role in it. They didn't have somebody who could, you know, manage the outside right. the beyond the three point line. Um so I think Middleton would have to still be around and he'd have to play a pretty large role in that offense. You have to get some uh really quality production out of Dante DiVincenzo as well. Um hopefully he'll step up to plate and But I could see you know, Westbrook's going to have to accept if he went to Milwaukee that he's not going to be the number one guy. That's what I'm saying. Not even yeah. close. Yeah. Um, he could definitely work his way up, but right now he'd be, like, number three at best.
0: I heard reports. Um, I think this was I, – I forget I forget the source I heard it. I think it was ESPN. Um, but I heard reports that the Charlotte Hornets are in play here, that they are interested in trading for Russell Westbrook and giving up what they might Russell Westbrook. I don't know who he's interested in. I don't know what's on his list, but I mean the Charlotte Hornets, of course, for the time being, are in play here for this Russell Westbrook trade to go through. I could see him being a number one guy in Charlotte. Yeah, that's not unrealistic. I could, I could see, I could see that turnout. But like I said, I feel like Russell wants this trade because he wants to go to an organization that is primed to win a championship within the next three years of his three-year contract.
1: Right, because it's not money related. Otherwise, mm, he would just stay. Right. Because he's not going to get a different contract. He obviously wants to win. To my knowledge.
0: I mean, I think... think Okay, here's my overall perspective on this headline here. I think Russell Westbrook sees his time coming. He's 32. He's going to be 35 by the end of his contract. He turns 32 today. So he's going to be $131 million richer, yes, in the next three years. But he's also going to be 35 in the next three years. He Mm -hmm. wants a championship now. So he's going to go to a team that's primed to win a championship. I mean... You would think that team would be Houston, one series away from going to the Western Conference Finals. So you would think he'd stay there. But like I said, the changing of the guard, the head coach, the GM. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's look at some season stats so far with James Harden and Russell Westbrook in the one year that they both spent in uh, Houston for the Rockets. 125 games combined, 68 for James Harden, 57 for Westbrook. They combined for 30.8 points per game, about 31 points per game, seven rebounds, and seven assists per game. So about 31, seven, and seven combined. James Harden, he Mm -hmm. accounted for 34 points per game, six and a half rebounds, and seven and a half assists. That was his half. That was his half. Russell Westbrook was 27.2 points per game in that range, almost eight rebounds and seven assists. So both impressive, both productive. And you'd think it'd work in Houston, and it did for the most part. I mean, right. we're talking like they finished under 500 here. They were in round two of the NBA Finals, got beat 4-1 by the team that eventually won the NBA Finals. So, I, I mean, what more do you want? Right, and tough some, situation. And something
1: else I want to ask you about too. Yeah. Whether it's realistic or not, I don't know how it work, would work out in terms of money. But could you see the Lakers as being a possible landing spot? I, I could. It I, wouldn't surprise me. I could
0: see the Clippers as well.
1: Yeah. I think the Lakers would be a better fit, though. Do you? Yes, because of Anthony Davis. I mean, Anthony. I mean, I'm mean, i not that Anthony Davis is Giannis, but just to go back to that point, I think Westbrook would fit really well with Anthony Davis. I don't... I, I Think
0: about LeBron, though. They're both guys that want the ball. Right, but I mean... And I, I suppose in Los Angeles, too, with the Clippers, Kawhi, I mean, he wants the ball, too. Mm-hmm. But I like just, I said, I, Russell Westbrook has to sacrifice some things if he's going to go to a team that is primed to win a championship. Cuz a team that's primed to win a championship now already has their guy that gets the ball, okay? Mm-hmm. They already have their front runner. But I mean, I think I think so if Westbrook uh, already obviously accepted
1: the fact that he's not going to be the main guy, especially in Houston, I mean, that's going to be James uh, James Harden for sure. Okay. Um do you think he's like willing to accept that if he really wants
0: to win games? That's what this discussion has been about. I don't know. He has to be able to sacrifice that If he wants to win now. That's what I think. He has to sacrifice Mm -hmm. it. There's no way around it. It's going to be fun to watch to see how this unfolds. I think out of the
1: teams we've talked about, I think the Hornets might be... If he wants to be the main guy, he's going to go to the Hornets.
0: We have a couple more minutes here to discuss this before we have to get to Jared Reinhardt. And I just want to throw this out here as we wrap up this discussion. Will this work? I mean, two two spotlight guys in one sport where there can only be one, okay? You can't have two front-line guys like in Houston. Let's take a look at Brooklyn now. Let's relate this to Brooklyn. What do you think is going to be the deal here in Brooklyn with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? It's going to be the same thing, I think. And let me just say this. It's not going to be Kevin Durant's fault. I think, if anything, it's going to be Kyrie Irving that's going to stir the pot of resentment. Mm. That's going to stir the pot of drama. Yep. Kyrie Irving, to me, is going to be the part that ruins what's going on in Brooklyn. There's a lot of hope around Brooklyn. There's a lot mm-hmm. of optimism. As there should be, there's a lot of talent there for the first time in a while. But I think Kyrie Irving is going to be the, the piece that keeps them from their true potential. And here's the thing. We have yet to see anything
1: out of yes. the Nets. So yeah. there's, no, there's no validity to them being good yet.
0: Yep, nothing is guaranteed, especially in this sport. What do you think? Wrap it up there? Well, I mean, we don't talk golf a whole lot. At maybe um, once. I mean, th- this isn't something we usually do, is the, the whole golf talk. But that's because, you know, when the Masters come around in April, that's more like NFL draft time. That's mm-hmm. like college basketballs wrapping up. baseballs getting going. We don't usually talk golf. But due to the coronavirus, I mean, I guess this is a positive side of the coronavirus, that the Masters has been moved from April to right now, the middle of November. I mean, feels a little weird. It is a little weird to be talking masters here, but it's a—it's just such a big tournament and such a wacky year, so we had to bring on an expert to do it. And remember, we said this in an earlier portion of the show that this is the third straight show we're having an expert call in. Okay, this isn't something we—we we plan on doing a whole lot in the future, but I mean, when the time calls, we got to bring in the experts. So right. that is what we have done today. Our Tony G Show golf expert, Jared Reinhardt, on the show. Jared, thanks for coming around. Thanks for having me. Jared, I want to start off here. I want to set the stage a little bit for the Masters coming up. We're going to preview it here on the Tony G Show. Before we do, Jared, you are at Jared Reinhardt 2 on Twitter, correct? Correct. Okay. That's where you can reach Jared, our golf expert for the Tony G Show. Again, usually in spring, early April, the Masters tournament kicks off. But right now, middle of November due to the coronavirus starts today. So i want to ask you. What differences do you think there are going to be in this year's tournament due to the coronavirus in November instead of April? What does that do to the course? No fans in attendance. What do you see different in this tournament compared to recent tournaments?
2: Well, as far as weather goes, I know it's been raining a lot there this week, so it's going to be a lot softer to obviously cater to the longer hitters on tour. The no fans also is kind of one of those things where it affects everybody differently. Uh, I would say more erratic hitters like Bubba Watson and Bryson, maybe he'll be able to take better lines without worry of hitting spectators there. So I think uh, as far as the course conditions go, it's not overall too different weather-wise than previous Masters, except for the fact that it's uh, it's, it's a lot softer there, like I said, with the, uh, the amount of rain that they've had there this morning.
0: Right, and and the Masters tournament is usually known for its sand bunkers, right? I mean, that there's usually really good sand bunkers, is what I hear at, at the Masters Tournament. Is that correct? Or are they a little more difficult?
2: Yeah, uh, there's some holes where, uh, you know, the bunker placement is it's rather difficult. I know there's a long par 4 on the front 9 where, you know, there's bunkers all around it. If you don't hit the green, you'll be finding one. As far as difficulty goes, you know, th- they're pros. Uh, they can scramble pretty well out of <laughs> there. Uh, they're not like the pot bunkers you might see over in Europe but
0: difficult nonetheless. Yeah, that's a good point. They're the professionals. They're not like you and I where we tend to struggle a little bit on on those portions. Those are these are top of the line guys, right, Jared? Right. Right. Okay. So, of these top of the line guys, I want you to give Tony G Nation some of the guys to watch. You you mentioned the big 5 um, a couple times I've heard before. I know a couple guys I'm personally watching. Bryson DeChambeau, he's favorited to win as, as far as I've seen. He won the U.S. Open by six shots and took a month off for this Masters. Is that correct? So he's a guy I'm watching, Dustin Johnson, guys like that. You have your big five as well. So just give me a general guys to watch in this upcoming Masters
2: tournament. Sure, and obviously we'll start with Bryson. You know, He's the guy that's been getting the most buzz all around. Uh, he has taken a little bit of time off to kind of work with his swing. Obviously his whole experiment with, with bulking up and uh, taking these crazy lines, and driving the ball as far as he has this is all pretty much for Augusta as it is a course where you need to be able to drive the ball well to win uh so he's a guy that like I said uh he's taking some big lines out there uh past champion Sandy Lyle was golfing with him earlier this week at a practice round and some of the clubs he was having in um you know having an eight iron a second shot into a par five on number two seven iron into number eight uh you know driving the a par four third hole with a with a three wood so um you know some of the things that he's potentially capable of doing this tournament is uh something we've never seen before
0: you know we mentioned the big five and the guy who's favorited by a long shot I wouldn't say a long shot but a guy who's favorited in the majority of the prediction here is Bryson DeChambeau other favorites that you see uh, around the tournament here coming into the Masters Right, yeah, Bryson
2: is the betting favorite at about eight to one, and then uh, at nine to one, I believe we have John Rahm and Dustin Johnson, uh, both guys have been playing spectacular. Dustin Johnson has just been getting, you know, top tens. You know, I would say the last six or seven weeks, he's just been on a tear.
0: Four straight top tens that I've seen. Four straight top tens, and he tied for second place in last year's tournament with Brooks Kepka and Xander Shoffley. So you're right, you're right on with that. He is red hot coming into this tournament.
2: Right. And, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys, too, that's just, you know, as consistent as it gets on tour, um, it just always feels like, you know, when he plays well coming into Augusta, that he's easily a guy that could be putting on the green jacket on Sunday.
0: Right, right. Okay, so I didn't mean to interrupt you there. The other favorites, as you were, as you were mentioning.
2: Yeah, uh, I would say John Rahm's another guy. He's kind of one of those guys. He doesn't exactly have a narrative going into it. He's just playing steady, great golf, um, you know, kind of going a little bit underlooked, I would say. Um, but a guy that's just you know all parts of his game are just dialed in right now, and he's definitely a guy that's playing in the last few groups on Sunday.
0: Okay, okay, pretty interesting. I know there's a couple fan favorites out there. Tiger Woods. We'll get to him in a second. There's a couple fan favorites that I've been seeing being talked about. A Brooks Koepka that, uh, that people are really fond of. I don't know if I I don't know if you are either. Any other people that we have to watch to look out for? Any sleepers? Maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, as far as sleepers go, there's a lot of different places you can look, like Europeans and, and Aussies that can play the wind in the, the wet conditions a little bit better. Right. So I would say be on the lookout for, you know, guys like maybe Mark Leishman or Cam Smith, as there's, they're both kind of used to these conditions. A lot of Euro players like Danny Willett won it uh, in a year where it was, you know, not the best conditions. So I would say, as far as sleepers go, I would look to guys that are able to battle through the conditions a little bit better than most people.
0: Okay, now let's turn the tables to a guy that everyone watches on every tournament, Mr. Tiger Woods. What do you think he'll finish with the year that he's had so far, coming off of a couple rough finishes? Where do you think he'll end up in this Masters tournament? Yeah, you
2: know, since the restart, he's a guy that just really hasn't been playing well. Uh, you know, we haven't seen him putt this, this poorly in in many years, and You know, he's striking the ball right with his irons, but, you know, his driver's also a little little loose. You know, with last year's Masters, uh, when he won it, he came in with decent form. But as far as this year goes, you know, we've seen little evidence that he's able to come out and and compete for another Masters jacket. With Tiger, obviously, it's kind of between course history and recent form are kind of the two predictors people use, you know, as far as speculating how guys are going to golf in an upcoming week. You know, obviously with with Augusta National, of course, Tiger's seen and won many times. Um, if there's ever a week you were to, you know, be getting back on track, I'd say this would be the week. But uh, like I was saying, there just hasn't been a lot of evidence of it since the restart.
0: Tony G Show talking with our, our golf expert Jared Reinhart at Jared Reinhart 2 on Twitter. So we've mentioned the favorites, we've mentioned the sleepers, we've mentioned Tiger. Overall, who does our golf expert, Jared Reinhardt, think will be wearing the green jacket on Sunday? I would say... If I were to pick one
2: guy, it would be Dustin Johnson. This is a guy that that I just think can come out, you know, week in, week out. He got coronavirus a couple weeks ago. People were unsure how he was going to come back. Came back last week, put up a nice second place finish, and I just think that you know he hasn't come in with better form than he has. And uh, I just think he's a he's a guy to be playing in the final group on Sunday. And I think he's uh, he's going to take home the
0: green jacket. There it is. Our golf expert on the Tony G show, Jared Reinhardt. Jared, thanks so much for coming around. We really appreciate your insight today. Thanks for having me, Tony. Oh, that was great insight. That was awesome. Jared Reinhardt. I mean, that, that kid knows that, that kid knows golf. Knows more than I know, that's for sure. Yes. Yes. The way he talks about I mean, it's like and he's a good golfer too. I'm bad at golf too. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a very good golfer, but you know, I, I dabble.
1: I think the last time he's a I, good golfer. I think the last time I swung a, a at a golf a golf ball was uh either fifth or sixth grade so it's been a minute for me tony i gotta get out and
0: try it again okay fifth or sixth grade yeah well you're a junior in college mm-hmm. let's break out the, the the clubs here that's
1: but see the thing is it's it's shake a,
0: the cobwebs off the nine iron and let's I know. go
1: well it's a i'm already i you know i like photography and i like skiing those are sure on them you know and then we just throwing golf in there
0: and then we're Kay. just i'm broke skiing is winter you don't golf in the winter Well, sure you could
1: you'd have a hard time finding the ball though <laughs> oh that would be tough Damn it, will. you're gonna have to try that yes you would have a f- i mean really <sighs> we're gonna do that tony we're gonna do golfing in the winter and we're just gonna, we're gonna you got a m- mouse in it. your pocket we're gonna hit it once we'll
0: hit the ball once and we'll just
1: we'll be looking the <laughs> whole time you got a mouse in your
0: pocket we're gonna try that all right let's move on here to the tony g show it's a thursday episode will what do you think End the show here. Yeah, I better wrap it up. Okay, twenty G picks of the week. Remember, I had back to back four and one weeks. Back to back, I was eight and two in my last ten. Pretty good. Ran into a little bit of a wood chipper last week. Two and three. Didn't win a game on Sunday. I got the Thursday night game right and the Monday night game right. But the Sunday three, I, uh, I whiffed up. So we're going to try to be a little bit better now. Coming into this week, 14 and 11, I am in my Tony G picks of the week. We'll start tonight, Thursday. Colts 5 and 3, Titans 6 and 2. This is a very good game, mm-hmm. especially for Thursday night that is notorious for either Jacksonville Jaguars, Miami Dolphins games, <laughs> or NFC East games. This is a very good game for a Thursday night game. Um, here's the stat I want to throw out here the Titans have won five of their six games. By only one possession. Five of their six have been decided by only one possession. And the Colts, I mean the Titans are known for running the ball. Derrick Henry, run the ball about 25-30 times a game. The Colts are allowing only 3.3 yards per attempt. Wow. That's on very rushes this, And that is tied first in the NFL. 3.3 yards per rushing attempt. I'm going to pick the Indianapolis Colts to win this game. I like that. Going That's... to Tennessee. And, and I mean, disclaimer here, I said at the start of the season I really like Tennessee. I still really like Tennessee Yeah, that's, But I think this game in particular I like the Colts That's a tough choice to make Because you're right The, the Colts are kind of like They haven't been like
1: A wow team this year But right. that defense 3.3 3 yards per carry That is an incredible Especially at this point in the season That's,
0: and if, that's amazing If Phillip Rivers Keeps the turnovers down mm-hmm. I, like, I definitely like their chances yep. I'm going to take the Colts In this game So you know Usually I pick five games In the schedule world, Right mm. I usually pick uh, the best games that I see, it's always the Thursday night, the Monday night game, and then on Sunday, I do a Sunday noon, Sunday 330, and a Sunday Sunday night. I get to choose the Sunday noon, Sunday 330. Right? And I always try to pick the best game, the hardest game, the closest game. However, Sunday at noon in the NFL this week? Listen to this, Will. Eagles, Giants. Okay, that's NFC East. No. Mm-mm. Washington football team, Lions, 2-6 versus 3-5. No. Jaguars at Green Bay, Packers, 1-7 versus 6-2. No. Texans, 2-6 at Browns, 5-3. No. Buccaneers, 6-3 at Panthers, 3-6. No. That's all the noon game. So for the first time in Tony G. Picks of the Week history, I'm going to do two 330 games. I'm gonna I do. Like it. Actually, it's a 3:05 game and a 3:30 game. I'm not doing a noon one because the noon one's suck mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but it's true. So 3:05, Bills, Cardinals, seven and two, wow. five and three. Well, I mean, this is a good game. Look That's what really I have awesome. in my notes here. Josh Allen, stud. Kyler Murray, stud. And you know why? Josh Allen, 24 total touchdowns this season. Kyler Murray, 24 total touchdowns this season. Wow, is this going to be a good game? That'll be fun to watch. Is this going to be a good game? I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills because the Cardinals, I think, are too inconsistent. I really like Kyler Murray. I really like the wide receiver core. They have a middle-of-the-pack defense. I like the Arizona Cardinals, but I just like the Buffalo Bills a little bit more in this game. I think Josh Allen's starting to hit stride again after mm-hmm. a couple down weeks. I think he's going to find it again. I'm going to pick the Bills in Arizona this Sunday. Sunday, 3:30. Seahawks 6-2 at Rams 5-3. Two top ten offenses in the NFL. But here's the thing. The Rams have the second best defense, and the Seahawks have the second worst defense. I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams at home to knock off the Seahawks. Sunday night, Ravens 6-2. Patriots 3-5. The Patriots looked really bad against the Jets on Monday, even though they got the win. And got me another pick in my Tony G pick of the week. And they got a short week coming off that Monday. I'm going to take the Ravens on the road here in New England. Monday night NFC North. This is going to be a good game. I had a tough yeah. game pick in this one. Vikings three and five, Bears five and four. This is looking like an easy one. Maybe like three
1: weeks ago. Now it's yes. now it's a little more of a toss up. Right, because the Vikings are doing pretty good here, and the and the Bears have kind of have fallen off. Yeah, they've kind of simmered.
0: Yep. Here's the thing, though. We all know that the Vikings offense goes through Dalvin. Because mm-hmm. Kirk, Especially in primetime games Because Kirk in primetime is bad yep. And he's 0-9 on Monday Night Football Kirk Oh, so it's coach. the Bears you're picking then Yes I picked the Bears because of that reason We know it's going to go through Dalvin But the Bears have allowed only one 100-yard rusher this season And that was Ronald Jones oh. Jr. of Tampa Bay So I'm going to pick the Bears Because I think they're going to shut down Dalvin Cook I like the Bears in this game I think it's going to be a good game Those are my 20-G picks of the week Colts, Bills, Rams, Ravens, Bears. You didn't make it easy on yourself this week, you know. That? I never try to make it easy on myself. So you could you could have picked you could pick two noon games. You probably would I, a- I don't think I get enough credit for how hard I make my make it on myself. Yeah, I mean, I-, I usually get crap for you know picking the favorites, but I just pick what I think, man. Mm-hmm. I look up some stats. I look up a spread every here and there, and then I say, you know what? Here are my picks of the week. I mean, where would you be if
1: you didn't you know listen to the to the stats,
0: you know, or the haters? Right. Where would I be if I didn't listen to the haters? (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's it for uh, Tony G. Picks of the Week. And before we wrap up this episode of the Tony G. Show, we have some honorable mentions, Will. Some things I want to mention here before we wrap up the show. Trevor Bauer and Shane Beaver both won the Cy Young Awards last night in uh, Major League Baseball. Good for them. I'm a big Trevor Bauer guy. I love Trevor Bauer. Have him on my fantasy team. You play fantasy baseball? Yeah, Dynasty League. Oof. So I get the key players from year to year. And Trevor Bauer is def- And you know what? Shout out to my friends Alex and Zach who are in that league because they gave me crap for drafting Trevor Bauer. I think it was like <laughs> the first or second round when I drafted Trevor Bauer. And they're like, what are you doing? Corey Kluber's out there. Well, look what Corey Kluber's doing now. He's mopping floors in the Indians' dugout. And Trevor Bauer's winning Cy Young's. So rub it in your face. And they were both in Cleveland at one time. I mean, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And look, look at this on the other side. Shane Beaver. He was a walk-on at the University of California, Santa Barbara. The Gauchos. And Gauchos. now he's a unanimous Cy Young Award winner. Pretty From awesome. walk-on to Cy Young. Beautiful. Also, one more thing before we wrap up the Tony G Show today is Moonlight Graham's birthday. Will, how old is that? Do you know who Moonlight Graham is? No idea. Moonlight Graham was born in 1877. Yeah, I'm not doing the math. I'm sorry.
1: I just did accounting all morning.
0: He's 143 years old.
1: That's pretty old. Yeah, that's pretty old. Who who is Moonlight Graham? I have no or Graham. Moon, yeah, who's Moonlight Graham? I have no idea.
0: Moonlight Graham was a baseball player. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should have known that. Yeah. 1877. I mean, don't you remember him? I mean, slouch stance? No, I don't know. I don't know what position he put in. I do remember him watching him when I was really little. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, right. I knew I would get Will on that. I told him, I said, don't do any research on Moonlight Graham because he saw him, you know, before the show started. And I said, don't do not do any research on Moonlight Graham. I go, okay. I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I knew I'd get him here in the Tony I G Show. I should have. I should have looked it up. Nope. Way to listen to your superior. All right. Tony G Show is going to wrap up. Thursday episode done. Uh, season five, cruising right along here. We have decided that our Thanksgiving episode, you know, we always have a Thanksgiving episode. We have decided it's going to be not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. What What's the date on that, Will? That would be... The 24th. 24th, yes, 24th. November 24th will be the conclusion of Season 5 of the Tony G Show. And that'll be our Thanksgiving show. We're going to call it there because we both go home for uh, finals week and then winter break after that. Actually, that Wednesday will be the last day of classes. So Tuesday we're going to wrap up Season 5. Thank you for everyone, I mean, really helping us get to this point Mm -hmm. and through this point this is uh, episode 12 so we'll be at 15 episodes in season five of the tony g show and we'll be bouncing back next semester better than ever round number yeah next semester two season six good things in the works for that so for will mccormick tony g i mean we'll see you next time on the tony g show this is a good episode thanks again to jared reinhardt our golf expert for talking masters with us that'll do it we'll see you next time here on the tony g show